TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome to Nothing Impossible on St. Louis's News Radio, KMOX. Here we go. Michael Calhoun and Travis Sheridan. And we're doing something a little different for this episode. We're doing a deep dive. Uh, Dennis Lauer, president and CEO of the Cortex Innovation Community, is uh, moving on. New leadership is coming in. But we're going to spend this entire episode talking to Dennis, getting to know a little bit about the trajectory that uh, that, Saint, uh, that Cortex is on and the role that Cortex has played in the larger St. Louis community and even nationally. Yeah, how it's hooked into all of the different communities across the St. Louis area, tries to foster a community itself. And really, uh, I think Dennis Lauer, once he leaves Cortex, is going to be spreading the word about what St. Louis has accomplished. And I think a lot of communities are going to be saying, hey, can you help us do what you did in St. Louis? Oh, I mean, I already know that Dennis, there's there's probably one or two delegations a week, I would imagine, that come from out of town. That might be a lot. Maybe one one a week come from out of town to see what's happening in Cortex. uh, Because, you know, let's, let's face it. St. Louis is not the easiest place to do things like this, and it's been working. And we're, you know, yes, I guess we are talking about buildings and roads in a sense, but we're also talking about the physical manifestation of what we've seen happen in terms of the transformation of the St. Louis economy over the last decade or so. And it began with this brick building that was empty and was an old phone, I believe an old Western electric phone factory, part of the bell system uh, that now has a spinning at symbol on top and is surrounded by construction and tech workers these days. And it's really the way I think the people who don't work at a startup or they don't really go to venture cafe or they're not part of the community, they can drive by on the highway and uh, drive by on the highway and see it and say, things are happening here in St. Louis. Yeah, and people don't have to drive to Kansas City or Chicago to go to Ikea because things are happening, and that's within the Cortex boundaries and and the district. (laughs) That is so true. (laughs) Ikea here because of Cortex. And Travis, joining us via Skype, you are traveling in? I am in Baltimore, Maryland today, a very uh, similar city to St. Louis. Ah, so we've got Travis via remote. We're going to make contact with Dennis Lauer. And really get the scoop from him. Yeah, so stick around. Dennis Lauer, president and CEO of Cortex, coming up next on Nothing Impossible. Welcome back to Nothing Impossible on St. Louis's News Radio, KMOX. Welcome back. Michael and Travis with you. And let's dig into something that's been impossible to miss. When when we talk about innovation and startups and technology and the growth of this new economy, one of the easiest ways, I think, Travis, uh, for people to understand it 
is to drive past the Cortex District, especially if they've got that uh, that background. They've driven past it 10, 20 years ago. They know what it used to look like. And to be able to see the physical progress there might help some people understand the progress we've made overall in the economy in St. Louis. Yeah, I mean, the, the landscape has totally changed just there to the, the north of Highway 40 or Interstate 40, um, you know, from rail yards and vacant buildings to now green space and rehabbed historic buildings, even Ikea. Like, the, the landscape has completely changed. And even if it's not within the confines of the Cortex District, there's so much development that's uh, happening in that area from Midtown to the Central West End. And the driving force behind that, we've got Dennis Lauer on the line, who is retiring as head of the Cortex Innovation District. Thank you so much for joining us, Dennis. Good morning. <clears throat> Happy to be here. Have to correct that word retiring. I'm just uh, coming up out of the, just coming up out of the, uh, the trenches a bit, but uh, still going to have my finger in innovation, helping uh, other cities with innovation, but also continuing to help in whatever ways I can. Uh, Cortex in St. Louis to keep the momentum that we've uh, gained over the last couple of decades. Dennis, I want to throw another correction in there uh, because we often refer to Cortex as an innovation district, but. It was very purposeful uh, under your leadership to shift that to Cortex Innovation Community. Is that tell us a little bit about the importance of that type of shift? Yeah. So <clears throat> there are a couple of reasons why um, words matter um, because they define how, they define and limit our thinking in many ways. Um, so the original business plan was a bit more like uh, a business park. Uh, with just uh, technology buildings in it, and the theory being that if uh, the board was able, which it was very successfully, to create boundaries, um, uh, get incentives for development, uh, have a redevelopment plan, the private developers would come in and develop uh, to land the 200 acres. But if it was that easy, everybody would do it. Uh, so what what we really need to do, what what innovation districts are, urban innovation districts, is they are communities of innovators and creators. So by uh, redefining the name to, to alert people to this is what we're doing, um, we're creating a place where creative people, entrepreneurial people can come together uh, and create new ideas, technologies, advance them into the marketplace. By, by that name change, it began to frame a, a shift uh, and a pivot. And from there, we also went to placemaking uh, and creating more of an 18-hour day and we're still working on that, uh, but a mixed-use master plan that wasn't just tech buildings, but that also um, is residential and commercial, or residential and retail, and, uh, and, 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 and good outdoor space that's available not only to the, the tenants and clients of Cortex, but also to the community in general. Um, and then continuing that theme with uh, the addition of a rail station, all of those things create a community of innovators, and that's what we were driving toward. So that's, that's the first thing. The second thing I'd say is that by changing it to the Cortex Innovation Community, it starts talking about community in the larger sense and innovation in the larger sense. Um, it's not just um, extreme high technology, but uh, there's creativity in, in, in civic innovation, in all kinds of um, uh, ways that we don't normally think about it. So a community of creative people who are thinking innovatively, that's what we're trying to develop and trying to also get people to see that St. Louis is uh, an innovative community. So 
All of those factors were kind of in the background as we began to shift shift our language and thinking uh, into the Cortex innovation community. And Dennis, we'd love to go through a timeline of over your tenure, how this area has evolved, uh, and the, the various stitches to the greater community that have been made over those years. What, give us a little bit of a, a background and introduction. When did you first come to St. Louis? What was the state of the organization heralding Cortex at the time? And what was this, this area at the nexus of Forest Park Southeast, Central West End, and Midtown? What was it like when you first came to town? Day one. Well, uh, day one, when I came to town, it was kind of like day one. It was um, an old industrial area, an area that had contributed significantly in the past to St. Louis's uh, economy, but third and fourth generation buildings, many of which were vacant, a fair amount of vacant land, which uh, uh, Cortex had already begun to buy up to, to stitch together. Um, and, but there were, the infrastructure was worn out. There was no sense of place, and when you're trying to develop an innovation community, placemaking is a key ingredient. So that's where we started. There were 35 or so companies primarily. Um, Most of those were startup companies that were in um, the CET, Center for Emerging Technologies, building uh, uh, buildings, which at that time, you know, that that was really... Uh, not only the first statewide incubator, but it was really the mother of Cortex because it, as companies started to grow and want to come out of there, there needed to be a place. And that was the impetus back in the early 2000s for thinking about developing Cortex. But um, in the first eight years, there were two buildings that were built from 202 to uh, 210, um, Cortex 1 and what we now know as the DuPont building, um, but nothing else in the district. And so in pivoting that business plan in ways that I talked about and also focusing on startups, we went from 35 companies in 2010 to over 400, about 420 today. And what kind of workforce, yeah, what kind of workforce is there now? Um, so workforce is interesting in innovation districts and in the traditional science parks. A lot of people think that, uh, you know, you have to be highly educated uh, hold advanced degrees because, after all, it is a technology district or technology park. But uh, the interesting thing is that there's an entire continuum of jobs. We have about 6,000 jobs within the district of all types. About 30 to 40 percent of those are high school or associate degree level jobs. So a lot of entry points for people with different educational background. Um, about um, Forty percent are, you know, held by people with bachelor's degrees. Um, the other twenty percent are held by people with masters and PhDs. So it's an entire continuum. Uh, and you think, you know, we've got today we have nineteen buildings, you know, that have been renovated or built new uh, in the Cortex District since its inception in two thousand and two. So over seventeen years, nineteen buildings, not a bad track record. Um, but when you think about uh, what it takes to maintain those buildings, what it takes to maintain uh, the infrastructure, um, and then all of the other things that we do with uh, retail uh, restaurants that we're bringing in and, and activating uh, the Cortex Commons, uh, lots of jobs there, lots of jobs, all types of jobs. We like to think that there's a place for everybody. 
And as you take a look uh, back at how this uh, you know, came together, you had the two buildings prior to 2010, and then the last decade was the avalanche of progress that took place. What was the first, was there a first domino to fall? Was there a first stakeholder who had to be convinced uh, you know, to go to the urban core as opposed to the suburbs or some institution that really had to be convinced to go all in on this? Or when you came to St. Louis, was... Was Cortex uh, rolling along and, and move already moving toward, had the momentum and moving toward what we see it as today? So taking the last question first, uh, it did not have momentum. The table was set. I mean, the reason that I came was uh, as I explored the region over a number of days uh, back in early 2010, uh, it, it was very apparent to me that St. Louis has so many great assets, but the challenge is they're not connected. And uh, and people don't work together as much as they need to work together to advance the region. And so I saw my role as connecting the dots. So when I came in, uh, taking the goodness that the board had, had teed up and the city had teed up, uh, you know, then it was a process of facilitating and bringing additional partners to the table, an important one of which was uh, Wexford Science and Technology, um, a developer that, from the East Coast that I had worked with previously in my other two innovation districts that I worked on in other states. Um, we, needed, we needed a developer that understood innovation districts and communities. Um, the, one of the challenges uh, nationally and internationally is that typically, not all, always, but typically the local developers uh, operate out of a traditional real estate paradigm. And, um, and this is a different animal. I mean, when you're creating an innovation district, uh, there are many layers to it and many layers to the activation. Buildings are absolutely essential, but they're not sufficient to create an innovation district. So by bringing in um, Wexford to be a partner that understood this, understood how to be patient, understood what the vision was, uh, understood the importance of placemaking. They became a very important early partner in 2010 for us. And then uh, being able to um, have one of our partners, BJC, um, agree to put a new building here in the district as opposed to in the county. That together with um, the 4240 building, the Yellow Brick building with the uh, turning at sign on top, uh, those two, plus the Cortex Commons, those became the three, what I would call phase one, uh, major projects that immediately created a sense of place. And what we felt coming out of the gate was we needed to change the ground game. Because in 2010, you know, when you drove through here, sidewalks were in disrepair, a lot of vacant land, um, uh, the, the street lights were the traditional kind of gooseneck halogen lights, uh, yellow halogen lights, orange. Uh, It wasn't a very inviting place. So by changing that street infrastructure, creating Cortex Commons, renovating an incredible um, building, 4240, uh, historically, and then having BJC make a major investment, it immediately put, um, you know, about about 1,500 to 1,800 people on the ground right away. And that's what we needed. Uh, together with the DuPont building and the Cortex One building, so we were we we immediately coming out of the gate in uh, uh, that second uh, decade, beginning of the second decade, 
um, of, the, of the 2000s, we, coming out of the gate, we were then able to create a sense of place and a density. And that's what then got the attention of other people saying, hmm, what's going on here? Uh, as far as whether we had um, a lot of uh, corporate clients, um, no, the strategy, quite honestly, has been up until recently uh, focusing on startups because technology corporates don't just pick up and move, you know, wherever they are, from wherever they are. And, uh, you know, back in uh, 2010 and so after, uh, we weren't recognized um, as a hub, a tech hub. And I would say that today we still aren't, but we are approaching the top of the mountain and we have gotten the attention of um, a lot of uh, East and West Coast companies in the tech sector to, you know, it's like, uh-huh, something's happening there. And most recently, we've gotten the attention of a lot of venture capital from the coasts that are saying, ha-ha, I can get some good deals here and keep those companies on the ground. It's a better business proposition. So things are changing, and those are, those are important elements in order to really get us on the map as a regional technology hub. But now what we've found in the last three to four years is that because of our focus on startups and bringing in CIC, the Cambridge Innovation Center, where many of our um, startups are housed, and also with the Biogenerator, which is a life science accelerator, and their expansion uh, of their uh, shared space and their shared labs, that created a base for startups. That those, those organizations created a base for startups, and we started building density. And once we did that, then the larger corporate said, ha-ha, we need to, to look at moving into Cortex, um, you know, our innovation groups, our product development groups, so that we can get closer to that uh, innovative entrepreneurial energy. And that's what really then started to propel us, continues to propel us forward at this point. Dennis, when we think about these innovation districts, I mean, are they in a, ses- a sense the 21st century city? Like we, we're, built, we're building out really a model for a new city, right? Because you talked about the infrastructure and we've, you've talked about uh, education programs and uh, both jobs across the scale. This is like a model of a small city. Yeah, it's an interesting, uh, interesting point, Travis. Um, I guess I would say that it is a new power source for the city. It's a new economic engine. Uh, it's a new way of recreating urban areas be- uh, because the legacy industries are just just that. They're legacy industries. And Missouri in particular, you know, has had a lot of those legacy industries with manufacturing and with agriculture. Not that they're ever going to go away, but you, you know what's happened over the last 20, 30 years with manufacturing. And now with the, the introduction of precision agriculture, um, you know, the jobs are shrinking in the ag tech side as well, in the ag side as well. So they're important. Those are important sectors that will always contribute, but it's not where the jobs are. So to replace those jobs, um, I think that innovation districts, and a focus on technology-led economic development in the re- in urban areas and city and the region around it. That is a new model uh, for wealth creation, for job creation, and it's one that every city is is uh, pretty much now thinking about. 
But to be honest with you, not every city has um, all of the elements that are necessary to really propel them uh, toward the front of the herd. So it, it is a bit specialized, um, but it is a it, it is a powerful um, it is a powerful uh, energy right now in St. Louis, the city of St. Louis, uh, because it's recreating uh, not only uh, the Cortex Central West End area, but also we're all pu- pushing and pulling for the downtown, um, you know, to be able to to stand it up as well. So that's how we've acquired this powerful energy. But what's next for Cortex and its effect on St. Louis? Let's take a little break, and we'll be back with more Nothing Impossible with Dennis Lauer, who's moving on from Cortex after this on KMOX. Welcome back to Nothing Impossible on St. Louis's News Radio, KMOX. All right, welcome back. Michael and Travis with you, and we're talking with Dennis Lauer, who's moving on from Cortex. Uh, And Dennis, uh, we've talked about how the district has grown over the last decade or so uh, and and the buildings you know, that are now online but there's a lot of construction happening now people can see the hotel but they can't necessarily see uh, yet what's coming at 4210 Duncan for instance so what is eminently next for Cortex what are people going to see mm-hmm. in the next year or so so in 2020 our expectation is that we will break ground on three new major uh, buildings in the district. Um, 4210 that you were mentioning will be our largest technology-related building, um, a Wexford uh, building, and uh, that's going to be uh, eight stories, and uh, it's going to be a signature architecture building. I mean, it will uh, it will really attract attention. It's very colorful. Uh, it, it's design, very unique design. And it beautifully fits into the slope, the slope of the, the grade going down from the, the top of Duncan down to Sarah. So it cascades down. Um, so we're excited about that, uh, 325,000 square feet. Um, we also expect to break ground uh, later this year on a residential project on the parking lot of the Cortex One building. And that'll be about 261, 262 units and uh, uh, wrapping a, a structured parking garage. Um, and then uh, we also expect, uh, hopefully, to break ground on a neurosciences building that WashU has in planning at this point, uh, a building which will consolidate um, uh, all of their laboratories and uh, in neurosciences and, and bring it into the district, which we will then be able to leverage off of with, uh, the commercial side. So those three buildings together we expect um, will be launched at some point in uh Actually, already launched because the site work already has begun on 4210, but the other two will break ground uh, in the months ahead. Some people uh, are calling. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, that's okay. But I just wanted to, to say that those three buildings together will add another million two square feet, 1.2 million square feet of building space, and um, uh, plus three, three structured garages. So almost a total of two million square feet which will double the amount of space that we already have in Cortex, which is about 2 million square feet. That's two Met Square buildings, just for people's <laughs> comparison. There you go. 
They're going to be adding two skyscrapers worth there. And people are calling, for instance, the new 4210, some have nicknamed it the Sandcrawler Building. The, the architectural features, you know, the, the Microsoft Building, I believe that was designed by HOK. It's got the changing color panels and the curves. It's not just your square, boxy office park building. Uh, talk about the, the need for this placemaking and not just putting up these boxes. Um, so... What is our mission? Our mission is uh, is entrepreneurship, it's innovation, it's creativity. So you have to have external manifestations of what your mission is. So architecture is very important. Uh, as I said earlier, buildings are, are necessary but not, not, not sufficient for districts. Strong architecture is necessary as well but not sufficient. But it's a component of sending a message about who we are. So having uh, edgy designs and trying to push the envelope uh, is very much the alter ego of these uh, companies that it holds inside. And it was very interesting because one of the major um, companies that was in that's in 4220, when they saw the design, uh, the forthcoming design on the 4210 building, it was going to be next to them. Uh, they turned to me and said, gee, do you think we could uh, renegotiate with Wexford and move to that building because that building really really uh, uh, speaks to uh, our sense of innovation and who we're about. So that kind of uh, mentality is very important. We're not just building a campus. When I came here in 2010 and, and we launched on a new master plan in the first couple of years, uh, a mixed-use master plan, there was a question of should we create design standards and um, I was very much against having strict design standards other than more form-based code kinds of things of, um, you know, typical urban stuff of making sure the buildings were up next to the sidewalks, that quality materials were being used. But allow the creativity of the individual architects through time uh, to be able to, to express, the, express their vision of, of innovation and what that does is it creates an eclectic campus, a much more interesting campus. Uh, there is certainly a place uh, for uh, campuses that have that that where the buildings look alike and are are, are mended together, uh, but but they're serving a different constituency. We are serving um, a, a a millennial and Z population of, of folks that are looking for creativity, looking for wanting wanting to have an exciting place to come and work, uh, and also sending a message uh, that we are about innovation. So architecture uh, is part of how we communicate and market ourselves. Dennis, I want to ask you a little bit about the Cortex brand. As you mentioned, you know, how, we, how Cortex markets and communicates itself, both within the region. Uh, you know, Cortex is not just within the 200 uh, or so acres. I've I've heard uh, the foundry re uh, uh, referenced as Cortex East uh, over on Del Mar, where the new made building is. There's Cortex logo over there with the, the support of uh, some of the equipment that went over there. Can you talk a little bit about Cortex's role as a regional leader and that thought leadership? Mm -hmm. So the question is, where do we go from here? Uh, we probably have 10 years left of building pads within this 200 acres depending on the market. If the market pulls in quicker, it'll be less than that. So the board has already begun to think about how do we take the goodness that we've created? How do we take the learnings uh, uh, over the last uh, 17 years plus 
and translate that into um, broader opportunity for the region. So the board has uh, convened uh, a committee, a strategic planning committee, and retained uh, some consultancy help uh, to look at uh, both physical uh, expansion opportunities and what that might look like, as well as programmatic uh, opportunities to support uh, the uh, the, uh, innovation activities of the entire region. Is there a way that we can help lift all? Uh, And that's that is truly the path to success. We have to be working together. We have to be on the same page. A win for downtown is a win for, for Cortex, is a win for Creve Corps, is uh, a win for the OPO out in St. Charles, and vice versa. We have to celebrate everybody's victories. We have to be thinking about ourselves not as districts. Again, language. We'll come back to language. Language defines. We have to think of ourselves as a large corridor that encircles uh, uh, the the entire region, and th- and think of that as uh, our St. Louis innovation community. Um, so as we're thinking about where we go from here, we're 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 thinking about how can uh, Cortex amplify its impact in ways that it respects all of the nodes of present presence within our larger uh, St. Louis community. You mentioned this concept of, of making sure we're lifting all, and when it comes to these different communities that we have, St. Charles to plant science-focused and Creve Corps to what's growing downtown and Square actually moving from Cortex to downtown, is the feeling more of we're all in a community and we're all working together, or is there still an element, like you mentioned when you first arrived, of competition between all of these different communities? I think it's better than it was, but the competition is still there within the ecosystem. And um, we have to do better. Uh, The competition comes from, um, I think, largely a sense of the scarcity of resources and a feeling that if one area gets something, it takes away from the whole or it diminishes the other areas. And we need to be, you know, thinking about, no, it's quite the opposite. It creates a stronger story and value proposition for St. Louis. So, you know, my first slide in my slide deck, when I, whoever I talk to, is a map of the region that shows nodes of presence of those four that I mentioned across the region to say, this is our St. Louis innovation ecosystem. That's where we all, I think, have to be starting from. We have to be thinking that this is about the companies. Where is it best for the companies to go? Let them make their decisions. Um, you know, otherwise, we continue to be factionalized. And, and, uh, and we've got to overcome that. I mean, we have a history of that. We know that. Uh, we've gone through that in the last couple of years, uh, multiple attempts uh, to try to get on the same page. It, it really slows our progress, and it really, it really holds us back in competition to other what I'll call second-tier cities, um, who all, all of which are, are developing innovation strategies and, and attempting to address this issue. Now, this is not just a St. Louis regional issue. Other, other regions have it, too. Uh, I mean, competition is competition. Capitalism is competition, all right? But at the same time, uh, there's a higher calling here, and we can all do better if we, if we have strategies that lift all boats and not just my boat. 
you know, Michael referenced Square, and I think that's a, such a wonderful example of, of a regional approach and regional success. Uh, you know, they started with a very small presence in St. Louis. Uh, Cortex had the infrastructure, the available space, in, cobbled together across several buildings, but the available space for uh, Square to grow its presence relatively quickly, uh, also found ac ac uh, accessible talent. And uh, now their downtown location, correct me if I'm wrong, Dennis, but I think that will be their second largest employment center, employment base outside of the Bay Area. Uh, and and that's, a, that's a win for the region. It is a win for the region. And it also becomes uh, um, a pathway for being able to attract attention from coastal tech uh, companies to St. Louis, you know, to, uh, to get them to the place where they say, gee, why did that happen? What did Square see in St. Louis? Um, you know, and, and we can quickly get past we can quickly get past the issue that they were homeboys. Okay, that 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 uh, that uh, you know that that the team that started it grew up here, and so they wanted to bring it back. That is true. They had a sense of wanting to spread that goodness back to St. Louis, but the value proposition for St. Louis is becoming stronger and stronger. Uh, the runway is longer uh, for investment capital here. And and now, uh, actually, we're beginning to get that boomerang effect of people uh, coming back more to St. Louis who, who are you know, from the region as well. And we're getting uh, an attraction of people coming into St. Louis because um, there's a lot of, of good opportunity here. So, um, yeah, we're on that way. I told you we're we're not over the, the top. I can't. I don't think we can consider that we – are at this point a tech hub like a San Francisco, a San Diego, a Boston, um, but uh, we are uh, approaching that summit, and um, uh, we all have to be uh, climbing together. I, I want to jump in with one more quick question as it relates to uh, talents. And Dennis, I don't know if you have, you know, hard facts or even just anecdotes, but. Just based on your gut, uh, the universities for the longest time were were fretting over so many of their graduates leaving, and that we uh, we didn't have enough, uh, we weren't retaining the talent that were that were brought up in the region. Are you seeing a shift in that? Are are districts and communities and assets like Cortex becoming more attractive to uh, our college graduates? Uh, the answer is yes, and and it's more anecdotal evidence uh, than anything. Uh, I want to give an uh, I want to give you an uh, a little anecdote that uh, happened about uh, six or nine months ago, when um, Pfizer opened their new manufacturing facility, biologics manufacturing and research facility, on Olive out in Chesterfield. I had occasion to talk with the uh, the head of that facility who's who was managing and running it, and I, I asked him why is it uh, that why did you choose after years of downsizing in St. Louis, uh, why did you choose to put this major investment uh, of, of resources and people here? And he said, well, we did, um, we did a national search. We, we retained a site selection consultant. We asked them to look at uh, seven or eight of our sites across the country where we are. We wanted to put it someplace where we have other assets. And St. Louis came out on top. And I said, hmm, interesting. So what were the deciding uh, factors that it came made it come out on top, and he said to me, uh, it was talent acquisition and talent retention. And I said, tell me more. 
because uh, for the longest time, we have felt that it's hard to attract talent here. And he said, well, we're Pfizer. We have a strong brand recognition. We recruit uh, from Texas to Minnesota to uh, Denver, out to Nashville, lots of great institutions there, lots of people that um, we can uh, we can pitch to. And he said, we don't have any problem recruiting into the environment of the St. Louis region because there's a lot of good quality of life stuff that goes on here. And, and here was the big deciding factor, and the retention rate is so high, uh, they lose less than 5% per annum. It's more than 3%. Two to three percent per annum of employees, and that's the same story that Squares found as well. So uh, the biggest uh, cost on the coast in the major tech hubs is talent acquisition and retention. Uh, the turnover rate is extremely high in those hub locations. Uh, the, the, the tenure at a particular at, at any particular company can be, you know, twelve to eighteen months before they skip, you know, to a new company with a higher salary. So to have to constantly be recruiting and constantly retraining, it adds so much to the operational overhead of those particular facilities and those locations, and that is that's that's not the case in St. Louis. So those have become this whole issue of talent acquisition uh, is becoming um, uh, you know our our story is becoming much better, and the universities now we're beginning to to work together more and. And, uh, and and talk together more, again, not looking at, uh, at each other as competitors, but needing to put more people into the system, in, into the workforce here. Uh, the scarcity of, of um, qualified employees, particularly tech-related, is not just an issue with uh, St. Louis. It's an issue all across the country. So, again, by working together, and I'm, God forbid if I ever use the word better together, but... <laughs> If we do work together, we we uh, we can go much farther. Okay, we can go much farther in this issue of building talent, creating talent, and uh, creating training programs, both credentialed and and and, and non-credentialed um, uh, uh, training efforts that are going to put more people into our tech ecosystem, which again then makes it more attractive for companies to grow grow and keep their companies here. It's that effect where folks like Travis Sheridan move in from, say, California and then decide, I'm going to stay here. That's the idea. That's the idea. And now we're going to put Travis back out on, on that circuit to go tell his story and get more people here. Right, Travis? That's what I'm working on today, every day. That's my, <laughs> that's my mission, more people to St. Louis. There well, you we're, go. We're going to take a break. We'll finish up with Dennis Lauer, outgoing president of the Cortex Innovation Community, right after this on KMOX. Welcome back to Nothing Impossible on St. Louis's News Radio, KMOX. All right, finishing up our show with Dennis Lauer, the outgoing president of the Cortex Innovation Community. Michael Calhoun and Travis Sheridan with you. And uh, Dennis, before we let you go, you know, for folks who are wondering, maybe they do report to an office park and they park their car in a big parking lot and walk inside and they wonder, what's the big deal? about these innovation districts or why would I want to drive all the way to the city to go to work when this office park it gets the job done now uh, what, what do you say is uh, is it the feel is it the serendipitous collisions copyright Travis Sheridan uh, from whether it's 
you know, uh, A.B. Morey, why did they move from Chesterfield in or versus, you know, the average worker who shows up to the office every day? What is different? What's, what's the big benefit to an innovation community? So we've talked about um, tech companies. The raw material of tech, tech companies is talent. Uh, it's all about talent acquisition and retention. And uh, increasingly, um, the millennial workforce and now the Z workforce wants to, it's changed culturally in terms of the way it looks at where it wants to be, where it wants to work, um, how it wants to be compensated, what's important to that individual. Um, and uh, those factors are leading a demographic shift back to the city. Um, so lower home ownership among this current generation workforce, um, you know, less being tied to that. Uh, much more interested in working for a company that has a social, more of a social mission or a social consciousness, uh, much more of that workforce dictating to the ownership of that company uh, when it doesn't feel comfortable creating technologies that could uh, uh, not be used for, for the good. Uh, so so what's, what's happened with this workforce is, is that it, it is raising lots of questions for uh, companies, how do you grow a company? How do you how do you acquire the talent that you need to propel the company forward and to be successful? So what we found with um, the larger corporations is that uh, one size doesn't fit all. Some people uh, feel perfectly fine um, being uh, in more of a suburban location, in more of a traditional office park or campus, where you drive in and park and go inside and stay inside, eat inside. Maybe there's a fitness center inside, and then you get in your car and you go home. Some people are very comfortable with that. But a lot of people would like more of an urban experience. So for companies that don't have uh, an urban or in the water, um, they're at somewhat of a recruiting disadvantage for new talent that's graduating out of the universities. Uh, so by having multiple locations that they can uh, bring uh, their uh, new hires to and give them options, they're more competitive uh, in, in, in competing at that same trough of talent. So, um, you know, it, it, we're not saying that the best thing since sliced bread is cities and you should everybody should move back into the city. It's not for all. It's like, you know, that's why we have different fashion styles, you know. Um, but uh, it is important uh, to have a, a, a strong urban presence. That's what we're trying to build here. And companies that are established companies that are moving into Cortex are doing so in part because of, of talent acquisition retention, in part to move their innovation uh, components back into the city uh, to be close to the, that entrepreneurial energy that's here. And, um, you know, every major corporation is trying to figure this out for themselves. How do we be innovative? Because if you don't innovate, you die. Well, Dennis, thank you for uh, helping St. Louis innovate. And just on a personal note, thank you for being both a mentor and a friend. I've really enjoyed our time working together, and I've really enjoyed our time chatting with you today. So thanks for all you've done and the trajectory that St. Louis is on because of your leadership. Well, thank you, Trav. It's very kind. And thank you, Michael. Well, Dennis, thank you for always being so generous with your time. We appreciate that as well as we try to spread the message of what's happening here in St. Louis. And good luck in the future. Thank you so much. I appreciate you both. And thank you for listening to another episode of Nothing Impossible. Catch the podcast and uh, keep listening. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. 
News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.